0: Ian Dunt, columnist with the Eye newspaper, joins me now. And Ian, let's go supernatural because the ghosts of the past are coming back to haunt us. Our beloved uh, ex-PM Scott Morrison is about to produce a memoir and it's memoir season with your mob, isn't it? I understand uh, former British PM Mother Teresa May has also put uh, quilled to vellum.
1: Yeah, it's like the Night of the Living Dead over here. It's just you can't blink but find former prime ministers trying to tell everyone why they were so hard done by and why everything they did was right, despite all evidence to the contrary. Theresa May has written a book about great injustices and the institutions that failed to defend the vulnerable and the needy. And one of the examples in her book is the great injustice she believes was done to herself as prime minister when she was defenestrated by her own party and thrown out. And as part of this, she sort of presented herself as this sort of centrist, pragmatic, liberal. You know, her approach to Brexit was just, I've got to bring Remainers and Leavers together. Can't we all find a sort of happy compromise solution? It bears, I mean, it's, it's extraordinary, a really vivid Imagination. I mean, she's really constructed this whole fantasy prime minister, which is herself, which bears absolutely no resemblance to the prime minister that she was when she was in power. And really, you sort of look at it and think the only sad thing about this is I would really quite like to have had that prime minister. And it's a shame that you couldn't have invented her back in 2016 when you became the actual prime minister rather than in 2023 when it's all too late.
0: Well, remind us how she was anything but a moderate. Let's just look across the panorama <laughs> of her policy. I'm going
1: to go you know what? For years, actually, before she became Prime Minister, she was whipping up the right of the Conservative Party, primarily on immigration. So even when David Cameron, who was dreadful in all sorts of ways, but at least was quite positive about immigration and said, you know, this is a great sort of multiracial democracy, etc. She was there as Home Secretary at the time at the same Tory party conferences, pushing against immigration, saying it was destroying the country, saying it couldn't be sustained. That immigrants bought nothing culturally, they brought nothing economically. When she was Home Secretary... I mean, she deported a man who was on hunger strike, despite the specific warning that he was at risk of death if she did it. She sent out vans into immigrant areas with the words, go home, emblazoned across them. She initiated the hostile environment, which essentially turned society itself into a surveillance system against immigrants, landlords, employers, um, and when she was warned, as she was repeatedly, I was part of those meetings by immigrant groups, saying, "Look, if you do this, what you're going to do is when someone goes to, you know, get an operation at the NHS, if they're not white, people are going to be more suspicious of them. They're going to ask for their papers. This will tend to discriminate against non-white people." And what happened? That we saw the Windrush generation. These people predominantly from uh, the Caribbean, who came over after the war, at uh, Britain's request to help, and who stayed here since, suddenly deported after decades in the country because they didn't have the right papers, because at that time, there simply were no papers. Papers did not exist. All the warnings came exactly to pass. She was one of the most pernicious, reactionary, right-wing Home secretaries this country has ever had. And now to see her dress herself up as the voice of liberalism and reason really takes quite a lot to swallow.
0: Ian, does she fantasize about some sort of political resurrection?
1: No, to be fair to her, I don't think she does. She's actually quite rare. I'm going to give her this. Um, She's quite rare as a prime minister in that she's stayed in Parliament on the back benches. Their ego just can't take it, really. You know, whether it's Tony Blair or Boris Johnson or... I mean, they, they just can't take going from being the absolute centre of attention at all times to just being a lowly backbencher. And actually, it's quite helpful having former prime ministers in the House of Commons, sort of, you know, bringing that experience to it. It would be better if more of them did it. And she has done it. So of of her many flaws, this is not one of them. She does accept the role of backbencher. However, what she wants is for everyone to believe a completely different story, for instance, that she did not essentially insinuate that Remainers were... (laughs) Um, citizens of nowhere and push against any kind of compromised Brexit deal and start the series of events which resulted in Britain's deterioration on the world stage and of its economic and political status. So that part one has to be rather less forgiving about.
0: For some reason I'm suddenly thinking of the portrait of Dorian Gray. I understand her <laughs> portrait uh, was unveiled the other week.
1: Yes and you know the really upsetting thing is the portrait's wonderful. I mean, it looks like something by a sort of, uh, by a futurist painter during the Weimar Republic who, you know, sometimes does jazz in the evenings. I mean, it's this really striking, fashionable, kind of melancholic, stylish portrait. Uh, It makes her look really quite fantastic and she absolutely does not deserve it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm looking at a, a tiny image of it that looks quite Napoleonic.
1: Yes, yes, that's exactly right. Although ultimately her career ended rather the same way as his.
0: But isn't it an irony that it was painted by an Iranian immigrant?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, maybe that's the final act of revenge. Although she's done rather well out of it. I mean, the thing is, you, you, you ultimately have to put it down to her. that There was this real tendency in the Conservative Party of don't worry about the centrist flank. Just worry about the right flank. So, for years, she placated their worst prejudices and their hysteria, their refusal to grapple with the reality of what Brexit entailed. And let us hear. And now, when you look at what is happening to Rishi Sunak, when you look at what happened under Liz Truss or Boris Johnson, all things that she has to some extent condemned, these are simply continuations of a strategy that she initiated. So what we see over and over from the Conservative Party is this refusal to learn any lessons because there is no proper introspection on the part of those who committed the errors in the first place.
0: We're being blunt with Dunt, and Dunt, columnist with the I newspaper, and you just mentioned uh, Liz in dispatches. I understand Liz Truss wants to defend her much shorter time in office.
1: Yeah, it's been a year since... um, her 49 days in office, uh, during which you know the, the Queen died and she destroyed the British economy, which is quite a record, quite a <laughs> velocity of achievement uh, for anyone, really. She is now back to say, look, it, ultimately, I was right all along. She did a speech at the Institute for Government yesterday. Um, it may not look like I was right, uh, according to what happened, but in fact, that was because of these shadowy forces of control. She calls them the blob. I don't know if you have the, the same word over there it's this sort of kind of ankle level conspiracy theory that typically gets trotted out by conservatives that, you know, there's this mentality in the civil service, but also in the BBC, among journalists and the cultural elites that is, you know, very, very liberal and left wing and has ultimately been getting in our way. Never mind the fact that we have held complete executive power for the last 13 years and everything has been absolutely diabolically terrible. The real fault of it lies with the blob. She... At one point in this speech, managed to come up with one of the most insane lines I think I've ever heard from a frontbench uh, politician, which is when she said, well, the trouble is, you know, that the, the, the stodgy reaction of the markets led the markets to panic. And you just think, what, what does that mean? Like, what even are the markets in your mind? You know, these are, she comes from this libertarian, neoliberal school where the market is king. And yet she has no clear idea of what the market is. Is the market reacting to what she's saying? Is the market initiating the conspiracy against what she's saying? Even the market, which should be the godhead of her entire political philosophy, has turned into this sort of shadowy actor trying to undermine her at every turn. So again, I mean, in a less respectable way than Theresa May, it has to be said, uh, you see her doing the same sort of process. It's like, well, it's not my fault. Any of the warnings I got can be completely dismissed. I was entirely correct and I lack even a modicum of ability for just a second of, of genuine introspection that might allow me to provide a more compelling critique of my own time and power.
0: Well, it's worse than that, Ian, because she, uh, she vowed to, to continue to shape Conservative Party policy.
1: Yes, 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 she did. Um, Which which I don't think she'll be able to do. I mean, look, the, the other thing that needs to be mentioned is the fact that she is an absolute charisma vacuum. I mean, quite apart from any of the policies or how they went down. You know, hearing her speak again for the first time in a year, you're reminded of the way that the brain sort of shrinks into the skull in horror as it's, con- as it's confronted with her manner of speaking, the words that she chooses, her presentational style. You feel yourself age in real time, like your skin is starting to <laughs> wrinkle around you as she speaks. So even just in normal kind of superficial political terms, she is not going to be coming back. And, I mean, you know, when you look at the polling of how many people thought she did a good job, it goes without saying, I think it's 3% of people would say that she did a good job the last time around.
0: She attended the Tory party conference uh, well she is attending it next month where she said she would be uh, saying more a threat or promise yeah
1: and she will i mean look this is the this is the nightmare for rishi sunak for the prime minister because i mean every time she comes on you sort of think well i mean if if she was on a labor contract they would have to pay her millions a day for it to be worth what she's doing. I mean, it's just so valuable to them. This constant reminder to the public, remember how we got here. Remember the kind of class of people that the conservatives have put in charge of the country. Remember just the rank chaos that has resulted in your mortgage payments flying through the roof in rents flying up through the roof in complete market panics of the sort that we haven't seen in this country really since the 1980s and arguably before that. So she's very, very helpful for labor, not so helpful for the conservatives what i think will happen however is look at some point next year there's going to be a general election And when there is, the Conservatives have two options. They can either think, we don't want to be in opposition for long, let's find a sensible, centrist, sort of centre-right type who can get us back into power. A fact rather complicated by the fact that Boris Johnson purged the party of all its centre-right types in favour of blithering reactionaries. Or it can run off right into the nativist populist fringe, of which there are very many people, Lord Frost is chief amongst them, who really want to bang that drum. It's all so simple, it's all a conspiracy, theory done by the elitist liberal north london media and immigrants you know just follow this and the will of the people and blah 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 basically the thing they've been doing since brexit and i suspect that that'll be a much more attractive proposition for the conservative membership who votes on the leader than the centrist alternative and will keep them out of power for much longer than they technically need to be
0: i can't resist uh, asking you about russell brand as we end our time together
1: I mean, extraordinary story over here. I mean, absolutely. Massive story over here because he's, he's been a really outside celebrity here for, you know, a good few decades now. But what's really telling is the kind of coalition of defence he has around him now. So you see people from GB News, this sort of very cheap and tawdry and ineffectual attempt to recreate Fox News in the UK. You see people on the furthest reaches of the sort of, of the kind of communist or very sort of anti-war left uh, online backing him up. And there's a real telling thing to be recognized by that, I think, which is that his audience eventually became people who were conspiracy theorists. And once, you know, when you look at the literature, the academic literature on conspiracy theory, the best predicator of believing one conspiracy theory is believing one previously. You suffer this kind of epistemological breakdown. You lose your ability to process reality. You believe a shadowy cabal of powerful forces are twisting events to their whim with the media, the public, the political system. And once you believe that, then you think well any piece of information i hear from anywhere could be completely false because it's just invented by the cabal so you really lose the ability to look objectively or empirically at anything in the world and you see that now with the bizarre left-right coalition of those defending brand that it doesn't matter how many women come out and tell their stories what matters is he's one of them the conspiracy theorists so all of this must be made up it's a pretty grim spectacle out there right now
0: Ian, lovely to talk to you again. That was Ian Dunt, columnist with the I newspaper. And Ian will be back with us in a fortnight. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.